title of my message this morning is A Gift Worth Finding. A Gift Worth Finding. This is a message about faith, patience, perseverance, and promises being fulfilled. There are times in every one of our lives where we may not see the end of the road, we may not see the light at the end of the tunnel, but something in us causes us to continue to move forward. There's something in us, for those of us that are saved, that refuses to quit on the promises of God. There's something in those of us that are spirit-filled that refuses to listen to the ways of this world and the diagnosis of man. There's something in us called the Holy Spirit that wants to fight until the end, that wants to finish the race, that wants to gather the harvest, that wants to keep on serving God until it's our last day. And that is what this message is about. Simeon. Scholars believe he lived for nearly 200 years until he would hold the Messiah in his hands and consecrate the Messiah to God. And I believe if he can wait 200 years and hold on to his faith, we can wait a few. Believing that God's going to keep his word to his children. Growing up in the 80s with two older sisters, I have two older sisters. One's 11 years older than me and one was 8 years older than me. So while most kids were uh, watching um, cartoons, I, I was listening to Guns N' Roses and ACDC and and uh, Led Zeppelin and all that, and people can't believe how much classic rock I'm aware of, but when I was five years old, with sisters eight and 11 years older than me, uh, I learned their styles of music, and so I'm very familiar with 80s rock. Well, in the 1980s, if you were a Baptist preacher, I mean, there were a few things you didn't do. You didn't dance, you didn't drink, and you certainly didn't condone any kind of rock music. And my dad hated that kind of stuff. Well, for Christmas one year, my oldest sister made me a cassette tape of all my favorite songs of her artists. Now, she told me not to tell dad. And I had a little cassette tape player in my room. And I thought with the lights off, I had the volume just right. I thought it was just barely enough for me to hear it. In fact, it was cranked all the way up. It's about 11 o'clock at night, everybody was asleep. And I accidentally hit play on that thing. And I'm telling you, ACDC come out screaming back in black. And my dad busted down that hallway in his BVDs, you know, stomping. That tape didn't last very long. It was in pieces, you know, before the, uh, before the holidays got here. But I saw my father change his perspective over the years, and he may have forgotten this, but I certainly haven't. But if you wanted to get permission to do something at my house with a teacher and a preacher as your authority figures, you had to convince them both mentally and spiritually that what you wanted to do was all right. And the way my sisters went about this with my father was that they introduced him to the band U2. And they had my father, and I can remember being about eight years old, watching all of this take place, listen to a song called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And let me read a few of the lyrics of this song. I have spoke with the tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. It was cold as a stone, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one. 
But yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds, you loosed the chains, carried the cross of all my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That song challenged my father and opened him up to listening to some new things. But that song continues to challenge me to this day. And what I take away from that song, which references the kingdom of God and Christ and what he did for us on the cross, was that you may not have it all figured out. You may not have received the answer to every prayer you've ever prayed. But the key is to keep looking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Stay in the fight. Stay in the race. Stay with your church. Stay in your marriage. Be faithful. And even if you still haven't found what you're looking for, keep looking. Because there is an anointing that comes from perseverance. There is an anointing that comes from looking with your faith eyes into the kingdom and expecting God to show up. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 21, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. This comes from Exodus. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This was considered a poor offering for those who were of the lower to middle class. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit. Everybody say, by the Spirit. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took this baby up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, to bring the races together, to end division, and the glory of your people, Israel. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So it's important for you to know the background of this story. There are three Hebrew rituals that had to occur for every Jewish family when a child, especially a firstborn son, was born. You must understand the significance of Simeon's perspective. And to do that, you have to understand what exactly is going on here. The first is circumcision, which means covenant from Genesis 17. This was an important part of the tradition. It would be performed even on the Sabbath day, if necessary, to keep the law. Jesus was named officially on the eighth day after his circumcision in accordance with this Jewish tradition. Circumcision represents covenant. It represents blood being shed 
and a new life on the eighth day beginning. You know, he is a God of new beginnings. The next thing represents redemption. God spared the Israelite firstborn sons in Exodus. We get Passover from that. The blood on the doorpost caused the angel of death to pass over. And ever since Passover, the firstborn Jewish male was significant and was to be dedicated to God. The parents would offer a sacrifice during this process by giving of the offering. The two turtle doves, or depending on where they were in life, they would give an offering in accordance to what they could give. And in Mary's case, being poor, it was the two turtle doves. And this was symbolically buying the baby back after you've offered it to God. The next thing we read about in the introduction of this text is purification, which represents honor and sacrifice. This is what Mary was doing when she came to Simeon in the temple. This was the first 40 days after childbirth. The mother was not allowed to do anything in the temple, anything of a religious nature for 40 days. 40 for a male, 80 for a female. Now, I would say that it's because females are a little more difficult to raise, but hey, I don't want y'all to throw anything at me, okay? I wouldn't know anything about that. I got three boys. After 40 days, the mother would bring those offerings into the temple. One was a burnt offering, one was a sin offering. But when it says the time of her purification had come, everything was in alignment for God to perform a miracle that would not just occur once. This was a continuous miracle. It was what Simeon had been waiting his entire life, translating the old covenant prophecies. He'd been waiting since the first time he read that a virgin shall conceive and bring about a savior. Ever since this devout and just man read that the first time. He'd been waiting on this miracle to happen. He'd waited nearly forever to meet Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he recognized Jesus. I wonder sometimes if we miss Jesus in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the holidays. I mean, we're buying presents. We're singing Christmas carols. We're trying to make sure everything's wrapped we're trying to make sure we've got the right food prepared or ordered or catered or whatever it may be. We're trying to make sure, especially in my life, that we're trying to love everybody and be at everything and do all of this. And sometimes I wonder in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, if, if maybe we miss an opportunity to either reflect Jesus or be Jesus to someone in need. We must have the ability to recognize Jesus when he shows up. And we must honor and respect him and bless him when he does. And when we gather in this atmosphere, we need to be able to sense his presence. So I want to give you some principles today about continuing to look for the kingdom. If maybe you feel like, Bono, you still haven't found what you're looking for, or maybe you've just grown complacent in your faith, I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ and his kingdom is a gift worth finding. Number one, those who look for Jesus will find him. Those who look for Jesus will find him. Matthew 7, 7, 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And in the Greek, this means keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep going. Don't quit. Be persistent in your pursuit of God. The word look is very similar in the Greek to the word seek. It means to look with intent and purpose. To look with intent and purpose. I'm not talking about a casual glance, but a look. Henry David Thoreau said this, Many an object is not seen though it falls within the range of the visual eye. You will find what you are looking for. Say that with me. I will find what I'm looking for. If your mindset is programmed towards negativity, you're going to find negativity. If your mindset is programmed to point out The worst thing about your family, that's what you're going to find when you walk into that family gathering this week. If your mindset is of the kingdom and of the goodness of God and you want to see the best in people, then guess what you're going to find? The best in people. You're going to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for religion, you're going to find it. If you're looking for legalism, you're going to find it. If you're looking for a fight, you're going to find it. But if you're looking for peace and grace and anointing and blessing, you're going to find that too. You're going to find what you're looking for. In science, there's what's called the reticular activating system. And basically what this means is you can train your mind to see things. If you study on something through your eye gate and you become obsessive about something, then you will notice Whatever it is you have obsessed about, if you've obsessed about a red Corvette, then when you drive on the highway, your mind is pre-programmed to see a red Corvette. If you're a young lady and you want some kind of special pair of boots, when you're walking through the store, guess what's going to go? Those boots, bless God. You can train your mind to see things. Whatever you obsess about, whatever you study, whatever in your heart, That's what you're going to see. So, why aren't we in the Word of God like we need to be? Because I'm telling you, if we want to see the kingdom, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God for ourselves. We need to claim those 3,000 promises for ourselves. So when that promise or that open door or that portal comes about, we'll know it. We'll recognize it when we see it. We'll see an opportunity when it comes in front of us. The reticular activating system. You're going to have whatever you obsess about. You're going to see whatever it is you're looking for. You're going to find whatever it is you're looking for. That's why people have different experiences on Sunday morning. Every week I I deal with people who've experienced a life change or a touch from the Holy Spirit on one hand, but on the other hand, I, I, I experience people who have a complaint or two. People have different experiences because... They were looking for different things. Their expectations were different. Their needs were different. Their desperation level was different. Let me tell you, you're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to have what you want to have. Simeon was looking for Christ, but the 
innkeeper at the room of the, at the inn in Bethlehem was too busy to notice Christ. Simeon had one thing on his mind before he died, to see the Savior of the world. But Bethlehem was too preoccupied to know what was being born in the house of bread. Simeon made it a matter of importance to see the Messiah. Bethlehem didn't want to be inconvenienced by a Savior. Simeon expected a miracle. Bethlehem disrespected a miracle. You see, some of you, just by accident in the name of religion, you've grieved the Holy Spirit. You've disrespected what God is trying to do in your church, in your family, in the life of someone else. You've by accident grieved the Holy Spirit and been disrespectful to what God wants to do when your expectation should have been as such to where God could use you as an agent to see that miracle come to pass as a kingdom ambassador. So what do we learn from this? Don't stop seeking. Don't give up hope in this season. Simeon had waited hundreds of years to see the Messiah, and he never gave up. Never gave up. Our perspective and what we see matters. Those who look for Jesus will find him. I love the story in Mark chapter 8 about the blind man in Bethsaida, which was a town of unbelief. And the text says that some people, everybody say some people. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be around these people. Some people brought this blind man to Jesus for healing. And it says in chapter 8 that Jesus took the blind man and led him outside the village. Very interesting stuff going on here because we learn from the New Testament that Bethsaida was a cursed town. It was a place that disrespected the miraculous. It's a place that really didn't want God to move. He even said, woe to you, Bethsaida. If I would have done the miracles in other places that I've done here, you would have believed a long time ago. So it says Jesus took the blind man and led him outside the village. Why is that important? Because even Jesus understands atmosphere. Even Jesus understands environment. When you want a miracle to happen, guess what? You better be around some people that believe God can still heal. You better be in an atmosphere where miracles happen. You better be in the right place where God can move. You're not going to get a miracle around a bunch of people that believe the gifts have ceased. You're not going to get a miracle about a bunch of people praying for you, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, if it be thy will. God doesn't need your permission to walk in his will. You better be around some people that believe you can be something, do something, have something. And Jesus had to lead this man outside the village, and I love it. This is not the mud pie miracle. This is different. He spit on this dude's face. He spit on him. Spit in his eyes. He said, do you see anything? And he said, man, I, I, just, see pe I just see people. They look like trees walking around. I just see people. <laughs> this man didn't want to see what God had for him yet. He could not even celebrate the fact that he once was blind, but now he could see something. Jesus put his hands on his eyes once more, and I'm thankful this morning that he's a once more God. 
says once more, I'm telling you, you fail. You don't have the right amount of faith. You disrespect God's kingdom. You make a mistake. You shame yourself. You shame other people. Ah, but he's a once more God. Even though you've blown it, he'll put his hands on you once more. One more time, he'll give you another chance this Christmas season to make it right. And once more, he put his hands on the man's eyes and he saw clearly. That's who Jesus is. That's who he's always been. And that's who he's called us to be. Number two, if you're going to find what you're looking for, you must look through the eyes of faith. Look through the eyes of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to him must genuinely believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So you must look through the eyes of faith. What does this mean? You have to know the outcome before you receive the outcome. You have to claim the victory before you receive the victory. You have to claim the healing before you receive the healing. You have to claim the harvest before you walk in the harvest. Is anybody with me this morning? You have to believe it and claim it like it's already happened for you. If you're going to have it, that, my friend, is faith. It's believing in that which you can't see. Sometimes you have to hold on to God's word when everything around you is crumbling. Sometimes you have to hold on to God's promises when everything around you says, tuck tail and run you've got to hang on to the things of God you've got to allow the wind of the Holy Spirit to guide you and cleanse you and lead you and you've got to understand that he is good he is good and he is for you he is for you number three those who know where to look will find him those who know where to look will find him where did Simeon go to find Jesus? Somebody say church. Church. No, he didn't watch it online. He wanted to be there in person. He knew based on the timing, they would be there. And I'm telling you, I'm, if we would get up on Sunday mornings, or if you're Seventh-day Adventist on Saturday, or if you're having a service on Friday, I don't care and God doesn't care. But if we got up with the expectation that God's going to be there, my goodness, how things would change if our expectation was not that my family's going to be there, not that my friend's going to be there, not that Pastor Ronnie's going to be there, but, oh, I'm going there because Jesus is going to be there. I'm going there so my promises will be fulfilled. I'm going there to get a touch from the Holy Ghost. It's about perspective. Those who know where to look, We'll find him. He came to the right place at the right time by way of the Spirit, the text says. By way of the Spirit. I still believe in the local church. I still believe it is God's embassy and that we are his ambassadors. I still believe it is the greatest hope for our country. I still believe God wants to use the local church in accordance with the book of Ephesians. I believe it is indeed a building. It is a bride and it is a body. And I believe if we'll make it a priority in 2022, God's Spirit will be poured out. And he'll meet us here if we will come. The church exists for Abba Father. It is a house of worship. It is his house. It doesn't just exist for the Father. It also exists for us. It is a house of grace. A house of grace. 
The Bible says we're to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some. But as the day approaches when Jesus will return, we need to get together more. Church exists for the Father. It exists for us. Ah, but it exists for the world. It is a house of redemption. It is a kingdom embassy. It is a place where people can come that have been in bondage and find freedom. It is a place where prodigals can come home when they've blown it all. It is a place where pastors can come and find love and grace when they've fallen into sin. And pastors do make mistakes. I'm thankful everybody else doesn't, but we do too. It's a place for all to receive grace and a touch from the Holy Spirit. Next, and Pastor Ron covered this quite well last week, the gift of faith and of salvation must be both received and embraced. Received and embraced. He took this child up in his arms and he blessed the Lord. He personally received As Pastor talked to us about last week, he personally received, he embraced, then he blessed. See, when you receive the gift of grace or salvation or the gift of faith or whatever gift it is that you need for the battle you're in, once God has blessed you, once God has shown up for you, how do you respond? You bless the Lord. You give out your greatest praise. You honor the Father. You become a difference maker in the lives of other people. You become a sower and a doer, not a complainer. You become grateful for what God has done for you. That is indeed the way of a kingdom and of a king born in a manger that went to a cross that got up out of a grave so that we might live free and fully alive. That's the way of the kingdom. Number five, and I close here. You will never have to look again. You will never have to look again. Listen, I believe in God's grace. I believe biblically, theologically, and doctrinally, you can't lose your salvation. Anybody that says you can puts themselves in the place of God, and they are not qualified to sit on his throne. Only God knows the nature of someone's heart. Only God truly knows what someone prays on their deathbed. Only God truly knows the motivation behind a person's actions and what takes place between them and God. So I believe to this day, until the day I die, for it is by grace we've been saved. I believe that when Jesus Christ died on that cross 2,000 years ago, he did it for me. He took my place. Every lash, every mocking, every punch, every slap on his back of the cat of nine tails paid for everything I've ever done or will do. When he said to tell us die, I still believe it meant it is finished. The devil's finished. My struggle's finished. My eternity is paid for. And the Bible says that if you know Jesus and you're for sure that you're saved, that no one snatches God's children out of his hand. That's what it says. You don't like it? Take it up with God. Take it up with the Bible. If you know God, no one is able to snatch them, John 10, out of the Father's hand. Romans says nothing can separate us 
from the love of God. Not your mental illness, not your demonic battles, not your past, not what you were born into. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So once you find this Jesus, once you get to the right place at the right time and you truly and genuinely find him, you never have to look again. You never have to look again. The Bible says he'll never leave you and never forsake you. You say, Pastor Ron, you just believe you can live like you want? No, I don't believe that, but I'm not the police either. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I got too much going on with me, my family, and this church to be policing everybody else. I believe the Holy Spirit's pretty good police. It is for me. I wish he'd take a day or two off from me every now and then so I could have a little fun. The Holy Spirit is all you need. He said, Pastor Ronnie, how do I know if I'm saved? If you can sin against God and nothing convicts you, friend, you better make sure you're saved. If you can sin against the kingdom of God, I'm not talking about stubbing your toe and saying a bad word. I'm talking about sinning against the things of God. And you have no conviction about it, friend, you better make sure you're saved. You better make sure you're saved. You are sure for eternity this morning because you found God. You're ready for battle this morning because you found God. You have kingdom purpose this morning because you found God. And he will never leave you, never forsake you. I love what Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says. It says, now to him, check this out, who is able to keep us from stumbling. Oh, my goodness. He can keep us from stumbling, then cause us to make us stand in his presence, blameless with joy. You see, that's the problem. A lot of us are saved, but we walk around guilty and no good. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I'm a screw up. I'm terrible. That's not the kingdom. The Holy Spirit wants to keep you from stumbling, cause you to stand upright in the kingdom, blameless with joy. I sent a letter out to my partners this past week about joy, man. It's really my prayer for this church and for everybody connected is that you'd have joy. I'm talking about stupid joy. I'm talking about, you know, when you're a kid and you're supposed to be quiet in class and you look at your friend and he starts laughing and you start laughing you don't know how to stop laughing. I'm talking about joy of the Holy Ghost like goofy laughing. I mean, we've had a rough few years. It's time for some joy. And I'm declaring that over this house. I'm declaring that over your life and over this Christmas season that you'll laugh till it hurts, that you'll experience God in a new and a meaningful way. And that even though you may have lost him, if you know him, you're still in the palm of his hand. Come back to him and experience his joy, his great joy. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? I'm thankful that the kingdom was made manifest through a baby born in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. That that baby would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we'd have a kingdom that will not be shaken that we could walk in because of this baby. We celebrate that. But I want to challenge you. Change your perspective in this season. Change your perspective. Begin to look with a positive attitude towards the things of God. Begin to look with your faith eyes, believing that God's word is true. Stop questioning everything and claim one thing. Just claim one promise. 
And watch what God will do. As you begin to read his word, claim it, and believe what you hear about the king of all kings, watch how it will change your outlook and everything that you're connected with. It's my challenge to you. And it's what must happen for you to receive the joy God has for you. If you're watching this and you say, listen, I'm not saved, Pastor Ronnie. I, 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 I feel convicted this morning like I need a touch from God. I need peace with God. Why don't you during this Christmas season accept the reason for the season, Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart by faith that God raised this Jesus from the dead and you shall be saved. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, pray this prayer with me in your heart or out loud, whether you're online, on your phone, in your home, in the house. Abba's house, help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And use me for your glory. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to meet me over at the Next Steps area with our team in just a few minutes. I'll pray for you. We can do whatever. If you want to join this church and make it your church home, we'd love to have you. We need your help in the days ahead to go where God's called us to go. Pray about it. If God's leading you, we'll meet you there. But for the rest of you, I just want to give you an impartation of joy to, to carry you through Christmas Eve when we meet together with Bishop Coleman for Holy Communion and all the way to next Sunday I just want to declare joy over you stand on your feet lift your hands up in a place where you can receive something from God <laughs> it's done hit me I don't even know if I can get through this <laughs> oh Lord oh, here we go Father God I just declare joy over the house this morning Stupid joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we'd put the past behind us. We'd receive joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, that everywhere the people of Abba's house go, they would be encouragers, game changers, light bearers, soul winners. Lord, I just declare joy over the atmosphere. Joy in place of depression. Joy in place of spiritual heaviness. Joy. Freedom from worry and anxiety. Powerful joy that brings about Holy Ghost laughter. Even during times of sadness. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to do a new thing as we close out this year and head into next year. Bring us joy. <laughs> bring us joy Lord give us the ability as Christians to laugh off people being used by the enemy to steal our joy Lord give us the strength and the joy just to laugh at people who try to steal what you've given us give us the ability to laugh at them and move past them and put our eyes on you Lord I'm thankful <laughs> that years ago hallelujah when I finally started looking for you, you were right there. And Lord, I'm thankful today for those who finally changed their perspective and opened their eyes. And they've seen you for the loving, grace-filled, joy-filled Savior that you are. Lord, we choose to put a garment of praise 
on for that spirit of heaviness this Christmas season. Lord, we love you and we worship you and we give you all the praise and glory. And all God's people said, amen. Receive joy. Hallelujah. God bless you.